Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts upon your word this morning be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So um, I'm sure many of you uh, know that verse in Philippians um, about uh, not being anxious, uh, but in every situation, uh, by prayer and petition, presenting our requests to God. It's a very well-known verse. Um, But you'll note that it says, in every situation, which kind of invites the question, what is the most trivial prayer you have put to God? Uh, perhaps you've lost your keys. In fact, there was a, um, <laughs> a couple in church this morning who'd lost their house key. So um, is that a trivial prayer? I don't know. Perhaps you've lost a fiver and you've gone hunting for that. I think the most trivial prayer probably is praying for a parking space. So hands up if you have ever prayed for a parking space. Well, that's, that's a lot more than the nine o'clock congregation, so come and, come and see me afterwards. It reminds me of a man who was running late for an important business meeting, and he pulls into a busy car park, but there are no spots available. It's jam-packed, as you can see. Lord, the man prays, if you can just find me a place to park, I'll do anything you ask. Suddenly, a car pulls out from just in front of him. The man returns to prayer. Never mind, Lord, I found one myself. (laughs) It's a funny story, but it does highlight a fundamental truth, which is that it's all too easy to take God's many blessings for granted and not to give him the praise and thanks that are his due. If we go back to that verse from Philippians that I mentioned at the beginning, it's worth quoting it in full because there are two words that we often forget. Philippians chapter four and verse six goes like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With thanksgiving. We should pray in every situation, yes, even if we're looking for a parking space. But we should do so with thanksgiving. We should pray and give thanks. But thanksgiving for what? Thanksgiving for prayers answered in the past or thanksgiving for prayers which have not yet been answered? Or both? Psalm 116 Uh, which we had read to us, and you'll find it on the back of the sheet, so uh, do have that to hand uh, if you've got a sheet. This psalm is one of the great thanksgiving psalms of the Old Testament. And it tells the story of one person's deliverance from a time of great trial. And the thanks and the praise that they give back to God for that deliverance, for that rescue. Now, we don't actually know who wrote the psalm or, indeed, what their time of trial was. We see that they felt entangled by the cords of death in verse 3. They were overcome by distress and sorrow, also in verse 3. Verse 10, they were greatly afflicted. In verse 11, everyone is a liar. They felt abandoned. 
And then um, in verse 16, they were in chains. Perhaps the psalmist faced death. Perhaps they were abandoned by all their friends. We don't know. But despite this desperate situation, the psalmist cried to God for mercy. And we learn in verse 2 that the Lord turned his ear to the person and rescued them. And then in verse 12, that's really the key verse in many ways in this psalm. The psalmist says this, What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? And then in the second part of the psalm, we learn how the psalmist shows his gratitude to God for this miraculous rescue, this deliverance from this time of trial. He gives thanks to God for answered prayer, unlike that person in the car park. Now, Psalm 116 has quite an interesting history. It was one of a a series of psalms, Psalm 113 through to 118, which were known as the Egyptian Hallel. Hallel means praise, hallelujah. We sang that earlier. And and, And the Jews would recite these psalms at the time of Passover as they remembered their own deliverance from uh, slavery in Egypt, the Exodus. Fast forward to the 1662 Book of Common Prayer, and this very psalm is prayed after childbirth. In the modern lectionary, the psalm, uh, we find it on, on Maundy Thursday, when we give thanks and we remember our own deliverance from spiritual death through the cross of Christ. In all these situations, we, give, we use the psalm to give thanks for some rescue, some deliverance in the past. We give thanks to God for his mercy and his compassion. But is that the only situation when we might pray this psalm? Is that the only time when this psalm, 116, is relevant? We've called these psalms that we're looking at in September, um, that, that this series, Songs to live by. So how is Psalm 116 relevant to each one of us in 21st century uh, Cheshire? The title of this talk is Walk. So how is this psalm relevant as we seek to walk with Jesus, our journey of faith with Jesus? It's possible that we too have experienced a great deliverance from a time of trial, a great rescue, miraculous perhaps, So we can actually identify with the psalmist and his or her prayer. I've had miraculous answers to prayers in my life. If you want to find out more, come and ask me afterwards. I'd be happy to tell you. I give thanks for those answered prayers. I give thanks for the moments when God has turned his ear to me. But others of us perhaps have had unanswered prayers, perhaps for healing, health for ourselves, for loved ones. Perhaps our difficult circumstances in life mean that we still feel we're in the first part of this psalm. We still feel overcome by distress and sorrow. We still feel greatly afflicted, verse 10. We're kind of struggling to get from the first part of this psalm into the second half when we give thanks to God for his mercy and love and compassion. Well, that's okay. That's 
that's a natural reaction. And there are other psalms, psalms of lament in the Bible that reflect that feeling. Just look at Psalm 88, for example. So the question then is, how is Psalm 116 relevant to us, whatever our situation? Well, here is another interesting fact about Psalm 116, and you may not know it. Jesus almost certainly prayed this psalm after the Last Supper. In both Mark's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel, we learn that Jesus and the disciples, after they had finished the Last Supper, they sang hymns. And of course, the psalms were the hymns of the Jewish people. And we know that Psalm 116, in particular, was always prayed after the the Passover meal. So Jesus would almost certainly have sung this psalm, prayed this psalm, as he went to the Mount of Olives and prepared to die. As Jesus prepared himself for the cross, as he prepared not to escape the cords of death, but to embrace them for our sakes, Jesus prayed this psalm and gave thanks to God for his mercy. Makes you think, doesn't it? So if Jesus could pray this psalm on the way to Calvary, we, his followers, the followers of Jesus, can pray this psalm at any time, whatever our situation. And of course, each one of us has been rescued, haven't we? We've been rescued from the entangling cords of spiritual death by the saving cross of Christ. As Paul writes to the Romans, thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So each one of us can pray the same words as the psalmist. Each one of us can pray verses 8 to 9. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Each of us can pray verse 12. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? Each of us can sing that verse that we just sang. Hallelujah, you are the one who rescued me, who set me free. But here's the question. What will we return to the Lord for his goodness to us? What will we return to him? How will we walk before the Lord? We have so much to be thankful for, but how do we show our thankfulness, our gratitude? And showing... Our gratitude is key here. A warm, fuzzy feeling of of thankfulness and gratitude in the pit of our stomachs is fine, but it doesn't cut the mustard with God. Ruth and I have been on holiday uh, these last two weeks in the Scottish Highlands. Um, And uh, for the last fortnight, uh, we've been traveling um, on these narrow roads with the occasional passing place. Maybe you've seen them. Um, And there's an unwritten rule that if someone stops for you in a passing place, um, then as you drive past them, you acknowledge your thanks, just a little wave or perhaps a flash of the lights to say thank you. Everyone does it, or most people do. You see, being thankful for kindness but not showing it in some tangible, visible way would completely defeat the point. In fact, it would look like ingratitude. And nobody likes ingratitude. And Psalm 116 
is just one of two psalms in the entire Psalter that begins with the words, I love the Lord. The other is Psalm 18. Now, as you know, those of us who are Brits, we know that we don't do public, uh, we don't do a lot of emotion. We're kind of a bit stiffer upper lip, aren't we? Uh, we even have an expression for it. Have you heard it? PDA, public display of affection, to which our response is invariably get a room. Uh, Ruth and I once visited uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, uh, and as we came out of uh, uh, the basilica, for some reason, we kissed each other. And this functionary of St. Peter's came running up to us and saying, no, 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 non si, non si, non si, don't kiss in the San Pietro. We felt a bit embarrassed. But you know what? God loves PDAs, especially when they're directed to him. And Psalm 116 is a great PDA psalm. It's a public display of affection for the Lord, for all he has done for us. But note that in the Bible, love is never just a warm, fuzzy feeling in the pit of the stomach. Love means tangible action. John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. He gave. Love led to action. John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus says this, If you love me, keep my commands. Love of Jesus leads to action. So when here in Psalm 116, the psalmist in his very un-British way expresses publicly his love for the Lord for rescuing him from the very jaws of death, love leads to action. It leads to an active response to God for his goodness and his mercy and his compassion. And we see that in the psalm with no fewer than five I will statements. You may have noticed them. Love and gratitude move from being a feeling of the heart to being actions of the will. So how does the psalmist show his gratitude to God? And what can we learn from his response today in Chesham? Well, the first thing the psalmist does is simply to accept God's gracious gift of salvation. Just look at verse 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Now, lifting up the cup of salvation, some people take that as perhaps a reference to a celebratory meal where you drink to some, something that's happened. And that, that's a possible explanation. But the actual original word means also to take and receive. And in fact, the King James Version translates this verse as, I will take the cup of salvation. If something is offered to us, we still need to accept it. Otherwise, it's no use at all. If someone's waiting in that passing place on that Scottish narrow track up in the Highlands, and I'm waiting in my passing place, and neither of us accepts the offer of grace, then we're not going to get very far. And so it is with the saving grace of God. We have received a gracious invitation from God. But the invitation needs to be accepted. 
So if you are here this morning or you're watching online and you have not yet accepted God's love and mercy in Christ, his gracious invitation, I encourage you to do so. Ask us. Find out more. We need to accept God's gracious gift. Secondly, we need, like the psalmist, to continue to trust in the Lord. Just look at verse 2. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. And then verse 13. Um, I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will receive and take this offer of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. You see, thanking God for his past goodness makes no sense at all if we don't continue to place our trust in him. Walking before the Lord means daily, hourly, placing our complete trust in God's mercy and compassion. As Corrie Ten Boom once said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away your ticket and jump off the train. You sit still and trust the engineer. Trust in our heavenly creator is an ongoing process. It's not just a one-off event. And of course, the flip side of trust is obedience. As the old hymn chorus goes, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Which is why the psalmist also promises, not just once but twice, verses 14 and verse 18, to fulfill his vows to the Lord. So thirdly, we give thanks to God through our obedience to his commands. And note also that in both verses 14 and 18, this obedience to God as a response to his mercy and compassion, this obedience is done in the presence of all the people. Our thankfulness to God for his mercy and, his faithful, and our faithful obedience to him is also a testimony to others that they too might put their trust in the Lord. Fourthly and finally, we give thanks to God through our service. Service to him and service to those around us. Just look at verse 16. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. And note that this service is not in itself a means of obtaining God's approval. There is nothing we can do in our own merits to obtain God's approval. Rather, our service is a natural, instinctive, knee-jerk response to God's mercy to us through Christ. It's how we express our gratitude to him. How we worship the God who saves. As Billy Graham once noted, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. The highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. So as I conclude, what does this psalm tell us about walking before the Lord? As the psalmist puts it in verse 9, well, we walk daily before the Lord, mindful of his wonderful grace and mercy, mindful of what God has done for us through Christ. And when we reflect on that cross of Christ, when we gaze upon Calvary and then the miracle of the empty tomb and then the mercy of God, 
We cannot do anything but join the psalmist in this wonderful PDA psalm, which actually is a psalm that needs to be read and prayed through, not preached on. I encourage you to take this home and repray this psalm. Because then we, when we think about God's mercy, can do nothing other than join the psalmist in verse 1 and say, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy. But as I say, love is an action. It's an action of the will, not just of the heart. Which is why our response of love and thanksgiving towards God needs to be tangible. It needs to be visible. And the psalmist shows us how. First, we simply just need to accept the gift of grace offered to us. And if we've not yet accepted it, it's not too late. But then we show our thanks and our gratitude by continuing to trust in him day by day, by obeying his commands, by acts of service, and by witness to others that they too might place their trust and confidence in the Lord. I mentioned our holiday in the Scottish Highlands, and it being Scotland, of course, the, the weather was variable. Sometimes it was nice, sometimes it wasn't. And many years ago, there was a Scottish minister in the Free Church of Scotland, the Wee Frees, as they're known, called Alexander White, famous minister, who was known for his uplifting prayers from the pulpit. And he always, always found something to give thanks to God for. And one Sunday morning, the weather was foul, and one of the church members in the pews thought, surely the preacher can't think of anything for which to thank God for today on a wretched day like this. Much to his surprise, Dr. White began to pray, we thank thee, O God, that it's not always like this. <laughs> Dr. White gave thanks in every situation. And we too have so much to be thankful for. May we walk before the Lord with a spirit of genuine thankfulness, manifested through trust in God, obedience to his commands, service to him and others, and witness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm, the example of the psalmist. Thank you, Lord. In our own lives, when you've answered prayer, when you've rescued us from difficult situations. But we thank you above all that you have rescued us through the cross of Christ. We give thanks to you with our hearts. We declare that we love the Lord. And we pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you would help us to show that thankfulness day by day. Through ongoing trust in you, through obedience, through service and through sharing the good news with others. And we do this, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' holy name, amen.